the one who had already spoken to him rose to his feet. Shadow or spirit or whatever you are, he said, fixing his eyes full upon Tyrion. If you are from Narnia, I charge you in the name of Aslan, speak to me. I am Peter, the High King. Welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast, where we are doing a chapter-by-chapter deep dive into the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. I'm Chase. And I'm Kel. Thank you for joining us. Just a reminder that today we are talking about the seventh book in the series, The Last Battle, but general spoiler warning for the whole Narnia series, as well as a heads up that we go on tangents into other stories we enjoy. We'll do our best to give spoiler warnings along the way if there's anything too far out there. We'll probably be spoiling the end of this book at some point in this podcast, but we'll we'll let you know when that's happening, uh, because today we are discussing The Last Battle, Chapter 4. What happened that night? What happened what that, happened that night? What happened that night? What did happen that night? The king doesn't know. Uh, oh, none of us remember. Too much time caucus. <laughs> mm, that joke doesn't man. make any sense to our listeners. <laughs> You're just going to have to stick around to the stinger for that one, maybe. If I remember to put it in the stinger, sure. Why not? Chase. How about I remember to summarize this for us? Sounds great. (laughs) Just just as we can't remember a lot of things, the king was also so dizzy from being knocked out that he hardly knew it was happening. That's generally what happens when you're concussed if you forgot what happened the last paragraph. But before he knew it, he was tied up and bound to a tree. He could see in the distance the stable and, uh, you know, an odd place for a lion and faintly hear the noise being made by the ape. When the gathering of animals broke up, some passed uh, him looking scared or sad, and later on in the day, groups came forward saying that they couldn't free him at risk of making Aslan angry, but they brought him some food, and they were so sorry for what was happening to him. Tyrion thanked them for feeding him and then asked, do you really think that it is Aslan? They said they did because they'd seen him come out, uh, a terrible great lion. He then asked if they really think Aslan would order them to kill the wood nymphs and be slaves of the Calamines, and they're like, yeah, that's pretty bad, huh? Uh, And they go... Well, you know, everyone else has said that he said that, so it must be him. Uh, and they wish that they'd rather die before all this began. So do all who find themselves in such circumstances, says Gandalf off screen. Uh, but, uh, you know, lo- lost my place making that joke, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, they say um, the beast left, or no, <laughs> golly, I just butchered that, Chase. My bad. Yeah. Uh, they didn't think Asley would be like this. In fact, they had hoped that he would come back before, but now uh, he just seems angry. Maybe they did something wrong. The beast left and night fell and Tyrion's back was stiff. And in the distance, he could see a fire being lit and figures moving around it. He saw what looked to be the ape go and bow in front of the stable three times and then open the door and walk. And what came out was a creature with four legs that walked rather stiffly. And it was yellow and hairy. And Tyrion had never actually seen Aslan, let alone a regular lion. So, he wondered if he could be wrong, but then he remembered all the stuff about Tash and Aslan being the same thing, and he knew that it must be false. The yellow thing turned clumsily around and said a few words. The crowd cheered, and then it went back into the stable, and the fire was extinguished. He thought back to all the kings of Narnia before him and how none of them were so unlucky as himself. His great-great, his great-grandfather's great-grandfather, King Rillian, had been kidnapped by a witch, and before him, King Caspian's uncle had tried to murder him. Mysterious children had helped both of them, but that was so long ago that 
those sorts of things don't happen anymore. And then he remembered how the same children who had miraculously been there for over a thousand years before had defeated the White Witch in her hundred and her hundred years of winter. As had been in those stories a lot too. Aslan and children from another world had always come out when they were most needed. And he called out Aslan, Aslan, Aslan. And then Beetlejuice appears. And he's like, oh, my bad, wrong movie. Uh, and Aslan, come and help us now. And he prayed that he could be killed and have nothing for himself as long as Narnia be saved. And while there was no change in the night of the wood, Tyrion began to feel hope. And he continued to pray that even if Aslan did not come himself, that he might send children from beyond the world. And he began to speak as though he were addressing the children and was plunged into a dream. He stood before a table with an old man and a, and a woman, uh, two young men who looked noble, two girls and two boys all dressed in strange clothes. And uh, Crazy of all, they could see him. They could see he was Narnian, and the young man bid him speak in the name of Aslan, for he was Peter, the high king of Narnia. Tyrion tried to respond, but he found he had no voice in his dream. The seven tried to talk to him, but found he was fading, and he awoke back in Narnia, still tied to the tree in the early morning. Chase, what happened that night? What did happen that night? Could I you still, say nothing? <laughs> nothing. Some, some would say, some would say, and I, I think we would be in those. Some nothing happened, Chase. Uh, the same thing that happened previously, where we still know that the ape is bad, that Aslan's a fake, Tyrion's upset. That still happens. You could almost say that two things have happened in this book so far. The Ape disguised a donkey as Aslan, and yep. the king got captured. And that yep. took four chapters. And the Narnians are upset, but they're not going to do anything about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're not that upset. They're kind of like no. putting up with it. They're taking it as it yeah. comes. They're taking it as it comes. So is the king, because he's tied to a tree. Because what happens is we come upon the king after he's been knocked out. Uh, they've dragged him away and tied him to a tree, but not too far where he can't still, you know, observe everything that's happening. Um, because he obviously, has to have an expository device. Exposit's got to exposit, you know. Yeah. And we've got to be able to know what's going on. And so he's tied to the tree, and he's like, "Oh man, I wonder what happened to Jewel." Last, that's going to come up this chapter. So don't nope. worry about it. Not your story. Just uh, a reminder that Jewel exists. Who knows? Jewel does exist. Uh, he's off the unicorn in somewhere. Is Jewel um, in the stable? Did Jewel get captured? I actually don't remember. Uh, and it doesn't Jewel, matter because it doesn't come up in this chapter. It's not your story, Chase. Don't worry about Probably it. Not. Uh, what we do need to worry about is the like two pages of you know random wood, random woodland creatures that decide like, hey, let's come in and you know bring some like uh, sour vinegar wine to uh, our Lord being crucified. Sorry, yeah, different book. These are the, um, the law and order wood mice. <laughs> these are uh, these are the these these little woodland creatures. A couple mice and some squirrels and things. They're bringing you know tiny portions of like wine and water and and cheese to the king, but they're not going to help him out. Like you know escape because they're like, hey, we think that what's being done to you is really bad, but also like Aslan said so. Uh, and Tyrion's like, yeah, but but is it Aslan? Yeah, it's is it it. It was a good like refresh if if you're the kind of reader who forgets what happens from one page to the next. It was a great yeah. refresh of uh of like the stuff of like well, it could be Aslan though. We don't want to get in trouble because but also this isn't how we wanted Aslan to be. Like we actually wish we were dead because 
we had hoped for this day. Yeah. But Aslan came back, and he just seems angry now. Um, Die hard with a vengeance. Yeah, there's there is a lot of like metaphysical, like philosophical stuff here. It's just also not actually the important part of this chapter because we did this last chapter. Um, yeah, which is fine. It's but it's it this conversation it's again it, if you're removing it from you know the fact that we we've, we've seen all these things play out already then this conversation is really important because what we see is this rabbit and these mice and squirrels they're having this conversation and saying hey you know we would help you out but we don't want to go get to Aslan and Tyrion says do you really think it's Aslan and they're like yeah he he came out of the stable last night. We all saw him. And that's the important part is they're seeing something in the dark. They're never hearing him and they're never seeing him in the daylight. Uh, they like Aslan has never verbally spoken to any of them because they would be able to tell this is a donkey yeah. um, because, you know, he would sound like a donkey. Yeah, he not a lion. Nays and eaws written into his speech pattern to let us as the reader know <laughs> this he would, is a donkey. You know, and because he's a fictional donkey who's not Eddie Murphy, he's you know slightly depressed because you know I am an Austinite, and therefore you know one of the things that Austinites are aware of is Eeyore's birthday. You know, and that's a, it's a celebration here quite regular. And so Eeyore is it famous de- <laughs> famous depressed donkey, uh, but. Um, but yeah, so they're they're talking and they're like, yeah, well, he came out of the stable uh, and they're like, what was he like? And he's like, a oh, terrible great lion, to be sure. Describe yeah. that. What do you what do you mean? Like, uh, and it, it really doesn't help that there are no other lions in Narnia. This is one of those right. times where that one lion way back when would have been really been helpful. helpful. <laughs> yeah, but uh, and he uh, alas, oh Aslan, he's, yeah Aslan, and and. He goes like Tyrion is making good questions, right? We, you know, both of us were we ended up getting like, you know what, Edmund asked some good questions, right? Uh, like kind of things like that, where like back in the back in the early days of the pod. Yeah. Um, but he goes Edmund, the real hero of Lion Witch right, <laughs> right? He goes, do you really think it's Aslan who is killing wood nymphs and making all of you slaves? And the mouse, like one of the bicers goes. Ah, that's bad, isn't it? But yeah, yeah. you still love him. Our that scamp. And and then they like this this conversation needs to continue because they're like, man, we kind of wish we'd been like we. It would have been better if we just died before all this because we wanted him to come back. But now that he has come back, he seems angry. Maybe he's punishing us for something. Um, but he hasn't really told us what it was. Um, that we've done, he just seems angry, and I don't know what we're doing wrong. Yeah, and then they I just think leave. This is the point of this conversation. Like that little section of right. Aslan isn't what we thought he was going to be. He's angry now. He doesn't line up with our conception of what we believed Aslan would be and what we had hoped for. But we feel like we have to be in line with this because it's what we've got. Um, right, is kind of a classical example of spiritual abuse. If you want to look at oh, the, totally like, the church and like religion context of someone wielding the name of God 
in a way to manipulate people into doing the things that the megalomaniac that's in charge wants rather than actually following the religion that they claim to adhere to, but right. which is what, what shift is doing here. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it really is heartbreaking to see the emotion side of these animals who are just coming and being like, we just don't know what to do. Like we wish we hadn't even lived to this point because we thought this was going to be different. And that is a nightmare to anyone who would claim to be waiting on the Lord. Totally. And much like people stuck in spiritually abusive situations, sometimes the easiest thing to do is to just, go along with it to not question it. Um, And that's what they do. They just end this conversation without like Tyrion being like, Hey, you should explore that. You should think through that. You know, they don't get to that. They just, they're like, Oh, sorry, we got to go. And they leave because Tyrion's like, Hey, I don't want to get you in any more danger and any trouble. Like it was nighttime. And then it was suddenly nighttime. Um, and they, he sees this bonfire starting to appear, um, and he sees the ape standing before the crowd, uh, and then the ape goes before a stable, and I joked about this in the summary, this is Aslan. Why is Aslan, quote, staying in a, like, locked in a stable? Because Aslan was getting cold outside and didn't want to sleep in the grass, so he needed a stable. We had we built a house for our lord. He lives in there they now. Built, they built a cage for domesticated animals. Yeah, a house for our lord. <laughs> if if it was good enough for Jesus to be born in, surely Aslan could sit in there for like you know eighty percent of the day. Yeah, but God, look at what a great steeple we have. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But look at what like, nice fog machines we have. Right. And again, what we see is this creature kind of stiffly walks out and faces the crowd, never saying anything. And the beasts cry, Aslan, speak to us, comfort us, be angry with us no more. And it you cut back to Tyrion's perspective. He's never seen a lion. Probably most of the Narnians, if not all of them, have never seen a lion. So they assume this is what it looks like. Um, but he could, he's like, is this really, you know, Aslan? But then he remembers all the Tash stuff and he's like, no, this can't be. But again, keeping up the ruse, Shift puts his, you know, ear close to the, to the, you know, mouth of the lion quote, as if it was whispering something. And then Shift, the ape, speaks to the crowd. So again, you never hear Aslan speak. You barely see him because he's in the dark, especially if you like, Think about a campfire, right? If you have this giant fire and you're looking across it, yeah, and like the person on the other side is who is speaking, which is like if you look at like the chapter illustration, that's what this is, is like there's a fire in front of them, and then everyone else is kind of around them, and like it is hard to distinguish facial features. Like because yeah. the light shadows and changing lights and right. It's a good show, and it has the right. fear of of ritual because it's nighttime, yeah. and there's a fire, and 
and we're all celebrating. It's a big group thing, but when it actually comes down to it, it's a more effective means for them to cast their ruse. Right. And just like that, just as the conversation ended and just as, you know, these things happen, they're done. Uh, we, we don't hear anything that was said. Uh, we just, they, they put out this giant bonfire somehow. I don't yeah, know if they just got very quickly. a bunch of, bunch of dirt or a bunch of water. Somehow they put it out. Uh, and however Tyrion you put out left, campfires. However you put out bonfires, especially yeah. like, it's not like this is like a couple pieces of wood that you can like, you know, throw a bucket on or, you know, whatever. This is a giant bonfire. Like, this is not easy. Like, you kind of have to let those burn out a lot of the time. Yeah, and but, usually it takes like a day to burn. Right, if you're doing right. a bonfire. But alas, uh, there. You know, Tyrion is left in the cold and the dark, and the only things he has left to him is a quick recap of the previous six books. Chase, <laughs> just a brief one. Only like a page and a half. Yeah, but he goes, oh man, it would have been great if I had been like my great-grandfather's great-grandfather. Like the only How many great remember is that? Is that? Great-grandfather's, like great-grandfather is three removed from you. His great-grandfather. So it would be... Six or six, seven? Six or okay. like great-grandfather's. I think it's six. If my, you know, I I feel like that. If it's seven, if it's works. seven, you know, leave a comment on our Instagram. That'll show me. Yeah, um, yeah. Tell us how wrong we are about this math. Yeah, make sure you do it under a five star rating, though. Um, and so he's like, it's funny because he's like my great grandfather's great grandfather, and that's the one we just read about. Is really, yeah. uh, and he's like, he was you know, stowed away with this, you know, witch and for years and he had to be set like rescued by these two children from the land of the northern giants from a cave and da 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 da. And then they're yeah. like, and then further back before that was Caspian, the seafarer, and he was, you know, kidnapped by, you know, his king Miraz who wanted to kill him and uh and then like these four children try to save them. But wait, like those things used to happen, but weren't those same four kids the ones that defeated the white witch with Aslan in book two? Yeah. Like he's like, it's so crazy how time dilation in this interdimensional travel works. <laughs> he's he's going, this doesn't make a lot of sense. Feels like in case no you were wondering why here. the same two kids from the last book are gonna be in this book. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Or I guess from it's two because books, it's because the last it's their story also has the two kids yeah. in it, but we'll it's talk their about story. That in a it's not ours, uh, but it's for me. It's just funny because this this is like it's three big chunks, and the whole point is to go. Oh, like help is always sent to those you know who need it at Hogwarts, uh, yeah. and that help is the sort of Gryffindor or children. Um, you know, take your pick and <laughs> give me a phoenix with a with a hat any day. <laughs> and he, he he drops the he drops the sorting hat and he he he's like, "What's out of here?" And he you know starts shaking the hat out and out pops Lucy and Edmund. This is great. <laughs> oh no! This isn't what I asked for at all. <laughs> I asked for help. Not There's a big snake here, guys. What are we doing? <laughs> what what's going on? Like, how are we going to fight this? And Lucy's like, 
I got a vial. Yeah, the way we're going like, to fight snake is by believing harder in Narnia than we believe in your and, lies, Green Witch. And Ed, Edmund's like, I don't have anything because I never met Santa. <laughs> <laughs> this is our recap episode before episode 100 next week. Yeah, but uh, again, this should be the first chapter, not the fourth chapter. <laughs> yeah, and this is so it's the whole point. It's it's funny because he's remembering like all the stories of old but it just happens to be he is placing this in context of timeline like we're getting some sense of why he's going further back and which six i mean are are we going with like about six six people two thousand some years from I mean, From if it was getting to end of this series, is that what's happening in Narnia? Maybe. I mean, that if it feels was like what he's going and, for, right? Between him and Rillian, you got to think like, I don't know. I mean, great grandfather, like, twenty years times sixty, like you're going for a hundred fifty years, give or take. Yeah. Uh, and then between Rillian and Caspian, um, like. That like brilliant is Caspian's son, so yeah. let's add then, another twenty years, and then it was they like do, a thousand. Years. They do mess up the time in this chapter because they said that the White Witch was a thousand years before Caspian, and it's like five hundred maybe, give or Who take. Knows, dude, let's just call it like fifteen hundred years, uh, unless you know. Aslan created everything to look that old, or you know, who knows how long. It... No, Aslan put the dinosaurs there so that we would have to believe. <laughs> Shout out to the Creation <laughs> Museum. Oh man! So like, so it's like, do you think Tyrion is an old Narnian or a young Narnian believer? Like, uh... Tyrion is a flat Narnian believer. <laughs> now nah, everyone is a fl- confirmed is by a flat. Don Treader. Everyone is a flat Narnian. It, like it's funny that you conspiracy theory in Narnia is that it's actually a globe. It's actually a <laughs> they're like they're like the sun goes around us. Where would it go if it was flat? And they're like, get out of here, you heretic! <laughs> Those stars are actually people in the sky. What are you talking about? <laughs> Shut your stupid mouth. Go back to the calorie memes. And he's like, I feel like this just makes sense. This is this is just physics. He's like, guys, if you stand over there, you're gonna progressively sink, right? The further you go away. It's a horizon line. He's explaining how the end of the world from the shore of Narnia then. (laughs) He's like, he's Mugatu and Zoolander. Like, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Oh man, we've really, uh, really sticking faithful to this chapter so far. Uh, but all that to say, this is a a spree for him about calling out for help to these children from beyond the world, and so he decides, "Hey, that's what I'm going to do," and he begins to call out, "Aslan, Aslan, come and help us now!" And nothing happened, but then. He calls out, let me be killed. I ask nothing for myself, but come and save 
Narnia. Still nothing changes, but now all of a sudden he's beginning to feel hope and a stirring inside. So he goes, Aslan, Aslan, if you don't come yourself, at least send me the helpers from beyond those worlds. Send me those children. Give me those, give me these, these prepubescent kids. And he pulls out his Pied Piper's pipe and starts playing and all the, both mice and children come out of the woods. <laughs> this is such a red flag. It's it. not okay. Not okay. But we haven't but talked about red flags in a long time on this podcast. It's been a minute because we haven't had a lot of like, you know, child kidnappers yet in a, in a minute. Not, uh, not since two, not since a book ago. But that was, uh, <laughs> but they were clearly, but they were also the bad guy. Uh, but it, so it was clearly wrong. Uh, but so it, he goes, children, children, friends of Narnia, <laughs> quick, come to me across the world. I call you Tyrion, King of Narnia, Lord of Carapelavel, Emperor of the Lone Islands. Like, I just appreciate that Tyrion is like, yes. This makes sense. <laughs> Give me the helpers, the advocates, the yeah. warriors. The first the person in the history of Narnia to realize that the children are not a joke. It's a it's the actual help. But do you think Find that in the Tyrion, very last book someone someone gets it? Um, Tyrion is C.S. Lewis personified <laughs> in this book. C.S. Lewis like, has tied himself to a tree and is trying to figure out his way out of this situation. Children. <laughs> Uh, I mean, before we get into what he sees, I mean, I do think the idea of being at your lowest and finally coming to the realization that all you can do is cry out to Aslan is is the meaningful part of this chapter. Yes, C.S. Lewis's point is not that he is trying to summon children. (laughs) It is (laughs) doing a child's crying spell. (laughs) <laughs> Axio children. Uh but no, you uh, can't say that. Accio. Accio. Is it Italian? Uh I, mean, I don't know. Depends on whether you're Daniel Radcliffe or not. The way you said it is the uh is the correct way. But that's what I thought. Not to say the word for donkey on this podcast. Hey, I didn't say anything. I said a spell in Harry Potter. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Uh oh, I, I don't oh, even oh. I don't even know what word you're referring to. No, but you're right. Like as much as we're joking now, the sweet part of this and the the point is in desperation. He is. This is prayer, right? This is a prayer of like, I need you, Aslan. Save us, rescue us, redeem us, provide, do something, right? Uh, And that is the important part. Is and as we've seen throughout the Narnian series, when we do that, Aslan answers. Yeah. You know, when we call out in the real world the Lord responds. And, yeah. and so, and there was also that is, an interesting Christ parallel in the position that Tyrion is in here. Yeah. Being bound to a tree, offering mm. his own life. If only the, to save Narnia. Narnia would be saved. Like there is a very direct, like Christiocentrism to. And Aslan's <laughs> like, wait, that's here. my job. Aslan's like, no, no, it's a table in this world. Get <laughs> Aslan's like, you idiot. You're ruining everything, Tyrion. Uh, No, but he calls out. He calls out, and that is a sweet thing. It's a sweet reminder that, you know, when we call out, our prayers are heard and answered. Um, And 
even if those prayers are for Aslan to send children our way, he will do so. And even just the statement, like, while there was no change in the night or in the woods, he began to feel hope. Like, that's... Yes. And it's, again, we you attach that to the, like, theme of the, you know, series as a whole. Like, when is the first time that he's really starting to feel hope? When he's saying Aslan's name in need and in desperation. And, and this that's is the what first time, to change thing. Yeah, this is the first time in this book that someone, rather than talking about Aslan tries to talk to Aslan. Mm. And that's when the change yeah. happens. And and it's someone who's recognizing true Aslan, not yeah. fake Aslan. So because yeah. right now this, Tyrion is the only right one, despite his yeah. rashness. Yeah. Despite him, you know, being rash and like looking for children, he is the correct one here. Um but Aslan pulls him into a dream that is not a dream. Uh, gives him a, you know, basically transports him like metaphysically to our world where Chase, an odd number of of, of gatherers is at a table. Um, the perfect number, seven? Some would say a holy number in seven. But if you've been a reader of these books and going, wait a minute. Out of all of the humans that have been pulled into Narnia and then returned, this feels like a number that doesn't make sense. Because he says, there are seven, and he looks at around this table, and he sees an old man and an old woman. And if you remember from 800 years ago, when we were doing uh, The Magician's Nephew, this is Diggory and Polly. The, the first book in our podcast, actually the previous book to this book in writing order. But chronologically... In timeline, the first book, chronologically in release order, the second to last book, this is Polly and Diggory. Then he says next to next to, to Diggory is a young man, like just probably slightly younger than Tyrion, who looks very kingly, who looks like he's seen war. This is Peter. He's, he's got that look in his eyes. He's got that look. He's got <laughs> blood with a blade. <laughs> He's, he's he's the guy that like he's like cutting his steak and then like licks the knife like on the sharp edge. <laughs> but <laughs> Peter's crazy. You don't mess with Peter. He's <laughs> like, a little unhinged. That that crown doesn't sit uh sit at right angles on his head. It's been tight for a long time. Uh, but it says he looks very kingly, very like stately, very much soldier like. And then on the other side is a youth who like slightly younger than him who looks about the same, but just slightly less in all of the, uh, like slightly less in all of those qualities, you know, Think same dude, but slightly shorter and a little worse. Just if you like, if you put added a little bit of water to like deconcentrate the solution, it would be, it would be Edmund. Right. And so we have Polly Diggory, Peter and Edmund. And then it says across from them, you see a, uh, let me just quote it correctly. Uh, he it says there was a uh, fair-haired girl younger than either of these and on either side of her a boy and a girl who were younger still and they were all, like so what we see is lucy and then from the previous books that we have just read eustace and jill now chase i'm no mathematician here but someone seems to be missing spoiler warning 
This is a spoiler warning for the rest of this book. <laughs> if you do not know the ending of this book, skip ahead. Yeah, just fast okay. forward to the end of this book where we'll spoil it again. Um, yes. uh, so, Susan, Chase, she's gone. Where is she? Are you saying that Susan isn't a friend of Narnia? Uh, I will say that in you know one of the last chapters of this book, whichever I mean, one. They C.S. Lewis it. seems to be saying that, and very directly so, says it later on. Yes. So, as we will discover later on in this book, what is happening right now is that the seven of them who still believe in Narnia and who still hold on to faith have gathered together coincidentally to talk about their good times in Narnia. When Tyrion rudely interrupts their meal by calling out to the children. Yeah. And and Susan... Before or after they get on a train? This is before. We don't have to mention anything further with that yet. <laughs> uh, they haven't gotten Hogwarts yet. Cool. Nope. So, Switchfoot is not, not currently playing This Is Home. Yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Good one. Uh, but the... Susan is not there because she, spoiler, no longer believes in Narnia and is not going to be welcome. Yeah. Susan does not does not go to heaven in this series. And we'll talk about the whys and how much it sucks later on. Yeah, we can get into that at another time. But, uh, but it is foreshadowing. <laughs> I mean... It's not fully spoiled because we you see it pretty directly here if you do the math and count the people and figure out who they are. Because also, C.S. Lewis is very vague about who's who and the actual... he doesn't... Terms. Though I he put the names on, he does not. Yeah, we had to put on our, our math glasses and figure out who's who and yeah. cut our red string out. But uh, yeah, he just says seven and we know that there should be eight. Right. Because they all like, he shows up, everyone freaks out. Wine glasses are flying across the room because, you know, they're in pure terror. Um, and Possibly because they're in a dining car on a train. And nope, not yet. They have wine glass on a, in a dining car. So they're not there yet. This is, they're just gathering it. Well, this house. is my head cannon. Head cannon. I, so I first thought that I had to look it up. And, I mean, I I didn't look it up, and I was wondering, like, why are they just conveniently hanging out? Like, what is this? so? They are conveniently hanging out to talk about the good old times in Narnia, and that is that is like what is going on. Uh, Avery has thrown a murder mystery party in which Susan is the murderer. <laughs> She's the murderer and the victim, uh, <laughs> which is oh. I don't, you know what? Skip past that. Um, She's off in America being pretty and buying clothes. That's I wish that Lewis. wasn't true. Not I wish that. I <laughs> that wish is unfortunately the vibe that C.S. Lewis decides to go with as why she no longer cares about. Is a part of things. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Peter, he is the only one that doesn't freak out, though he is like a little unnerved, stands up. And says, speak, if you're not a phantom or a dream, you have a Nardian look about you. And we are the seven friends of Narnia. As if this is like a common title they go by. Right? Yeah. Like they're this just, is, just, this the is most, what they call their group me. 
like this is the annoying like homeschool family that's like we're the seven friends of Narnia. But oh man, these homeschool kids would be exhausting. They would be tough because they're like, no, I'm hiking, Peter. And it's like, sure you are, buddy. Get off the tree. Uh, As we can't go to the Ren Fair every single week. <laughs> please, please don't chase around people with that sword, Jill. I please. Uh, <laughs> so Look, you know, we know it worked that one time, but we really can't do this all the time. Yes, and Aslan's like, you know what? Maybe I started a bad trend, uh, but uh, ah, whatever. Not their story. Um, and so Tyrion wants to respond, but as C.S. Lewis lets us know, hey, this happens to me all the time. You know, ever you guys ever been in a dream where you can't talk? Same. I mean, it it is a classic C.S. Lewis aside that I don't think we've really gotten in this book yet. It's but, been a minute. Uh, yeah. He just loves to go and be relatable for a moment. Yep. But, and so he's yeah. like, Tyrion, tongue's tied. It's a dream. Classic. And so Peter stands up again and he says, shadow or spirit or whatever you are, if you are from Narnia, I charge you in the name of Aslan, speak to me. I am Peter, the high king, which is just a real alpha moment here. Yeah. Like, also, I just want to know how Diggory and Polly feel in that moment or even Eusis and Jill being like, okay, Peter, chill out. Well, like, here's the deal. They all believe in Aslan. And Aslan King, he, like, crowned Peter High King. They all believe in Aslan, but, like, does that really mean that he should be swinging his sword around any any time that it's a... a, Not around children. He really shouldn't. uh, Because swords are dangerous, guys. Swords are dangerous. Um, But, yeah, because Diggory and Polly literally saw Narnia get created by a song. This is like true. They were there when the deep magic was written. Yeah, but even when they were there, the guy who gets crowned king is a cab driver. Yeah, and he's very cool. He's dope. He is super cool. And but his wife, Helen, seems real nice. They're, they're just regular people, right? Like, like Diggory and Polly, just normal heroes of Narnia. Jill and Eustace, never crowned royalty. Just ro- like normal heroes of Narnia. Lucy and Edmund, also, they were crowned, you know, lower queen and lower king of Narnia. And Peter was high king. And Peter is uh, the one that has the look of war in his eyes, I holding mean, his salad fork like a madman. Like It's just a bad energy that when he takes into, uh, into his office job, is going to be a real problem for him. He's... He's clicking his pen furiously at people. He's like, I am the High King Peter. I am the High King. You dare tell me to get my reports in on time? I sat in the throne of Care Paravel. For 40 years. I was there when the White Witch was slain. Off screen. (laughs) But I saw it. I'm going to describe it to you. But I saw it. (laughs) <laughs> Peter seen some things he's like I killed a werewolf and I licked the blood off the sword which is why I do, am a werewolf he's like do ass. not mess with me I like my steak rare yep Man. But, uh, all that to say Peter, Peter goes real alpha dog here pulls out the high king Peter card uh, and then all of a sudden 
Tyrion is back into the woods. Everything's fading and vanishing and melting away. Uh, everyone's freaking out. They know what's going on. And then Tyrion wakes up, and it's morning again. Time, am I right? Uh, he's still tied to a tree. And he goes, that waking was about the worst moment he had ever had in his life. Really? Was That's it? the worst moment? Not the worst, concussion the night before? Worse, worse than realizing that the dude that you've been praying to for years is supposedly enslaving Narnians and killing wood nymphs? Worse no. Worse than watching your best friend, the unicorn, get captured and like beat down alongside you being concussed, waking from a dream, not dream. That's your worst moment. No, waking up, waking up every morning is my worst. Realizing moment. that when you called out to children that they didn't come running. It's uh, really when my fourth alarm goes off and I realize, man, I really do have to get up now. That's that's the worst moment of my life. I was like, ah, well, back to my full day of being tied to a tree. Uh, my back hurts. This is the like, worst. <laughs> just go back. Just go back to sleep. You know, like, what do you got going on today? You busy? <laughs> I mean, fair. Maybe if you go back to sleep, you'll be able to uh, walk around and talk this time. It just, just hasn't learned to a sleep. lucid dream yet. Every time he falls asleep, he's just like, just phases back into Earth. And that is uh, how things work in a podcast I'm currently listening to that I cannot reference on this podcast. That is okay. But Chase, do you have anything else before we dive further up and further in? I don't think so. Cool. I'm going to start us off because I think mine will go by a little quicker than yours is. Uh, mine, uh, this just reminded me, it's kind of like in a in the final piece of, you know, final book of a series or one of the final episodes of a TV show or something like that, where you're remembering all of the good times that came before. And this is the, you know, Harry Potter walking through Hogwarts during the, you know, final battle. And he's seeing all the people that he's interacted with. And he's, you know, seeing the people who have died and seeing the people that he's fought alongside with. And, uh, you know, this is the like last, like second to last episode of a series where it's like, Oh, remember that time? And then there's a flashback and, uh, you know, to all of the like funny moments throughout a series. And, you know, you get Boy Meets World and you see Eric doing like the Feeny call like a hundred times or whatever. Um, and this just, it's, it's C.S. Lewis in a literary device of like, yes, he is remembering the fact that he needs to call out to the children for help. But it's also a good way to remind readers that over the past seven years or however long it's been since he's been publishing the first book or telling these stories right that what he's doing is going hey remember the white witch uh, remember caspian remember the you know king who was kidnapped and you know he's been under the cave with the the snake lady like remember all these things um and it's both exposition and it's 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 way to help him figure out a problem or solution to a problem but it's also a good reminder to the reader who's been probably you know reading these a year at a time uh and not just going through these chapter by chapter you know but it is him reminding everyone hey these are the things that happened and these are the main characters who are about to come back into the story uh remember like jill and eustace hint hint like they're the ones that are about to pop up because they're the youngest ones right um and even seeing them at the dinner table it's like hey remember all these people you may have forgotten because it's been a minute, uh, but here is everyone except for Susan. You don't need to remember her, uh, but it's 
it's just a classic like ending of a fictional series moment yeah mine is pretty similar it's this idea of uh, there's this trope in literature and stories of calling on the ancestors it's kind of this idea of when a character or a hero is at their lowest point they look back to the great acts of the heroes and ancestors that came before them to decide what to do um so Think of Luke Skywalker before he realized his dad was Darth Vader and actually evil, saying that he would be a Jedi like his father before him so that he could defeat the dark side and save the day and the galaxy and all that. Uh, Or think of like Frodo in Lord of the Rings when he reflects on the fact that Bilbo went on a journey there and back again before him, and he was able to draw strength and courage to actually take this step forward and have courage to keep going because he knew that people just like him had been able to get through this before him. And so maybe he could too. And so it's the idea that being when you're at your lowest, when you've exhausted your resources, you can look at the people who came before you for ideas and wisdom and strength, because you know, it's possible. Uh, It's also an ability in D and D if you're a warrior (laughs) and have a certain level. Indeed. Aslan, Aslan, send us listeners, reviewers, podcast raiders, Instagram followers, people who are above the age of 18, uh, let them listen and rate. Yeah, we are not specifically calling for any age group in this podcast. Nope, not going to summon children. Because that would be weird, Tyrion. That's weird, Thomas. Yeah, we we remember. This podcast remembers. We're still angry. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's build up a statue. No, absolutely uh, not. Man, but, but you can take apart that statue and use it as a uh, mobile walking unit for Baby Yoda. Ooh, love it. Except I still feel weirded out by the fact that Tumnus is taking a child with him. No, yeah, it's a bad. It's a bad thing. <laughs> it's a bad look. But you know, it's not a bad look. Listening to this podcast, sending it out to all your friends leaving us a five-star review, sharing your friends this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts, following us on Instagram and at the Chronicles of Podcasts, and continuing to listen more because our next podcast is number 100, which is crazy. We're keeping it at 100. We are 100. Uh, we are not doing any more podcasts after next episode. We did it. We reached 100. We, that was the only goal. It. So if you want to find out what happens to the rest of this book, tough. There's no resources. Wikipedia doesn't exist. Uh, but I don't what know if what the... we decided just to stop doing the podcast with 10 chapters left in the entire series? That would be hilarious. Sure. That would be really funny, and it'd be a very C.S. Lewis cliffhanger move, uh, where it's like, no, this all happened off screen. It's not your story. If we just summarized it, yep. like, all right, bye. Chase, I want to play a game with you real quick. What do you think, before I look it up, what do you think the the Chronicles of Narnia wiki is specifically called? Because, you know, like there's Wikipedia or oh. like, what do you think the Narnia wiki is? Is it, do you think it's just called Narnia wiki? Narniapedia? Narniapedia. I like it. Uh, I'm going to... Aslanpedia. 
I'm going to go Aslan Wiki. Aslan.wiki. Let's see. Ah, it's so, so lame. It's just Chronicles of Narnia Wiki. Ugh. Mm-hmm. That's, that's so boring. Uh, well, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wiki. I feel like they missed some opportunities. I feel like it could have been called like the Stone Table or like mm. like Aslan. What's a what was the mound they called? It was like Aslan's Howl. Aslan's Howl. Howl. Yeah. Whereas, like that would have been dope, you know, or like the place between worlds, like. They had a lot of cool opportunities for like wiki between what, the worlds. That a wiki perfect. between the worlds, an incredible title. That's when we're yeah. starting our new wiki <laughs> like venture after this. There is no way I would ever <laughs> give that much time. Good job, no. another but man. though though we are not going to give our time to that. You can give our your time to all the things I mentioned before, and joining us next time for our one hundredth episode where everything will be done by AI and we're putting zero effort in. (laughs) See you next time. I think. No, it it is. I I counted like four or five times trying to figure out, okay, they say seven, but they don't specify both boys being there, but they say seven. So I assume that they... Both they, Peter, he, he specifies it in a very vague way because he goes like uh, Diggory and uh, Diggory and Polly. Polly, I was like, yeah. oh my god, what's her name? Yeah, um, then Peter, and then yeah. There's so he goes half of like no. Well, he goes seven people. There's two of them are girls. One of them is a boy. One of them is Peter, and there is a space that I assume is Edmund. Well, so he says it, but it is un like it, it's really easy to glance over because he goes, There's two old people, and that's Diggory and Polly. And then he says, There's one that looks uh, like a king, um, but it's barely like, like just a little younger than Tyrion. And he goes, And you could almost say the same of the other youth who sat at the right hand of the old woman. That's okay. Edmund. I didn't. So I think, yeah, I it was really weird because I was like, wait, what? So he's basically saying, like, Diggory, Polly, Peter's over here, looks like a king, basically looks like a king over here, Edmund, yeah. and then across from them is Lucy, and then uh, Jill and Eustace. Jill and Eustace, that's their names. And then this for a second. And then oh dude, Polly, I I would have caught the entire podcast going up. Yeah. Pogwarts. Yeah, uh there too. No, they they it is intentional that they do not mention Susan. And I feel like this is the first time that we have to like preface everyone, like, be prepared for some real unsatisfactory, like yep stuff here with susan I and mean, we've spoiled that before <laughs> look it's not episode. our fault 